Hi, and welcome to the final episode of the Boozy Traveller Show. I'm your host, Kate Bynum, and today I'll be reading some of Reddit's travel horror stories. So if you're up for a bit of a laugh, stay tuned. Our first story comes from Jim underscore Eck, and here goes. In the Greek islands, our taxi driver accused us of putting a dent in the side of his cab. After we gave the roof a tap to let him know we were all out of the car. Next thing I know, he has my friends by the throat. All of the iOS locals came running out and pinned us all against the wall until the cops rock up. Two guys in no uniform and chuck, chuck both of my friends in the car without asking any questions. I run to the police station, a dingy little shack with no sign or anything, to find out that both of my mates attempted to run away because they didn't believe these men were police. They asked for ID, but were told to be quiet. They caught one of them, the other got away. As a result, the one who got caught was beaten up and chucked in a cell. Cue me. I rock up to the station to find none of these cops can, bear, can speak English. The taxi driver is there going crazy, talking in Greek to these cops and pointing to me, then his car. I know what he is telling them. I try to act out what happened by pointing to the dent in the back, shaking my head, then miming, tapping on the roof. They grab me and take me off the premise. As I wait out on the road, a friend of the taxi driver tries to fight me. I told him, I hold him away and said no, said no. One of the cops come out the front and sees us, and thankfully this guy backs off. Eventually they get this young cop, the only one who can speak English, to tell me they won't talk to me until I bring my other mate back to the police station. This guy was reasonable. I later found out he was the one who stopped the other cops from beating my friend in the cell to a pulp. He told me as soon as I bring the other guy back, we can sort this all out. I run back to the hotel, grab my friend. Thankfully, he was there and we head back. Anyway, long story short, they were saying we could either pay the taxi driver the damages worth 200 euros or my friends would get taken to another island and put on trial. It was complete bullshit. I knew it. But we had to leave at 11am the next day and it was already 4am. I had enough. I just agreed to pay the money to the crooked son of a bitch. Really bad way to end what was such a great trip to Europe. But all was well at the end. We split the fine and I got my friends out slightly in one piece. I bet the cops and the taxi driver split the cash too. Oh, that is rough. A 200 euro fine from a, for a rough, crooked taxi driver. I'm lucky enough to have never been in that situation. But I have... One time I had a taxi driver in India try to like scam me and my friends. But... They, we didn't nearly get arrested or anything. He was just a dickhead. So, ooh, that's rough. At least you all got out of it, as you say, kind of in one piece. And while that other policeman was probably in on it, at least he was, at least he spoke English and was kind of decent. But yeah, very rough. Our next story comes from Monterreo. Took the last train from Brianna to Bratislava in the middle of the night in order to get to the airport early in the morning. I was the only one on the train other than conductor, engineer, whatever. The train slowly came to a halt a little after the Solakian border in the middle of the countryside on the dark platform, and the dude told me to get out. Confused and scared, I did so, and the train left. I had about two minutes of utter panic before another guy came around the corner and directed me to the correct train, which started up just then. I hadn't known I was supposed to transfer. I arrived in Bratislava about 1.30am. I disembarked and made my way through the tunnel under the tracks to come up inside the train station. The entire place was deserted. The lights were off and I could hear dripping, dripping water echoing through the building. I could see a circular drive outside with a few taxis waiting and a 24-hour snack stand. 
so I decided to wait outside until the first buses began running and I could catch the correct one to the airport. However, the doors were locked. I couldn't get out. As I was trying all the doors to find an open one, a woman with wild eyes and wild hair appeared from outside and began hurling herself bodily at the glass doors, yelling and trying to get inside the station. I skedaddled off to a deserted corner and sat down and cried a little bit because I was tired and scared. I realised that if any other person came into the station from the platforms, I was trapped and had no way to escape. Eventually, I steeled steeled myself and went back out onto the platform. I ended up clambering over the train tracks and walked alongside them for a very long time until the fence ended, where I came into a residential neighbourhood. Luckily, I came across a policeman who directed me back toward the station. I sat on a bench outside near the snack stand until morning came. There was no sign of the woman with the crazy eyes. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. Oh my God, I think I'd absolutely shit myself if I was trapped in a train station and someone outside was trying to get in. At least you got out of it and found that police officer. You were very lucky. Oh my God, I'd actually be terrified. That sounds like a nightmare. Our next story comes from Travel the Bug. At 15 years old, on French exchange, my host family decided they didn't like me and I had to move to a new family. Their etiquette for approaching the situation involved writing me a letter in French reading... One in France does not, followed by a list of strange accusations. Not showering enough, not washing my clothes enough. Sorry, Australians don't wash clothes until they're actually dirty. Stealing their food, being too friendly with boys at school. I was like totally a year older than those losers, no thanks. And going through their personal files on their computer. I'm in IT and fixed their lag box with the father's permission. And what would a 15 year old have been looking for? Their tax files? The best part is that it happened on Christmas Eve when, while the exchange program offices were closed. So I got to spend an awkward Christmas with their extended family before I could get help after Boxing Day. Also, in a small town with no other exchange students, totally alone. The exchange program investigated, deciding that I was innocent and the, the host's mother slash sister were batshit crazy. So instead of being sent home for misconduct, I got to move to a new family in Paris. So the remaining three weeks were awesome. Oh, you poor thing. Oh my God. That's absolutely horrible. I can't believe, like like you said, what would a 15-year-old be doing? That's so awful. That's so strange. Like, I've been to France and I've always found French people to be grand. Like, that's so strange that they were... And they're such weird accusations. Like, stealing their food and being too friendly. Like, you're 15. What, what are they expecting of you? Our next story comes from Comma 20. Having not gotten paid for a cash in hand job for a month's worth prior to going on a trip, I departed the prepaid part of my trip, snowboarding in Slovakia. Hung out for a day, swung to Prague, spent New Year's, went to Austria. Now I'm low on some money, probably $300 in total. My flight back is a month and a half away as I'm owed about 4k cash. I spent about $200 on a train ticket, including the overnighter through Switzerland to a town where a friend would pick me up and take me to the French Alps for more more snowboarding. I have no mobile as there's been a fuck up with various things along the way. Anyhow, I get off the train and wait for my friend, and wait and wait. I decide to grab a coffee, but can't pay as my euro isn't worth anything here, because apparently this little Swiss town has the same name as the French town I'm supposed to get off at. Barely able to speak French, let alone Swiss French, I talk to a little old lady at the ticket booth and spend the rest of my money on tickets to this proper town. Then, when in Geneva, I get detained through customs as I have a massive snowboard bag. 
I missed my bus, but eventually rebook everything for free and get the last bus on over. Yay. After a long 24 hours of travel and adventure, I make it and my friends pick me up. Once again, karma shift. My friends were working as chalet hosts, had a cancellation, so we stayed in a baller chalet for a month. One of them broke their wrists, so I used her season pass. I eventually got paid and had a great time. So yeah, while it started off as a bit of a travel horror story, it actually ended up being quite a nice trip. So, like, karma shift. They're always good. Lucky you. I I would kill to go snowboarding in, like, a chalet. Our next story comes from a user that has now been deleted, so I can't give credit, but here we go. Uh, I was 18 and it was my first time travelling alone. I went to Argentina for three months. My first week in and I'm wandering around Buenos Aires. At the time, I had enough Spanish to get by and a man approached me and asked for directions in Spanish. I tell him that I'm not from here. He then asked me if I am a tourist. I say yes and he seems delighted, quickly telling me that he is too. He offers up the idea to explore the city together. I alone in the big city agree. We start walking together and he seems like a really nice guy. After about an hour, an hour, he says, Tengo hambre, I'm hungry. I hadn't eaten since, bre- since breakfast and it's about one, so we go to a nice restaurant. He tells me I have to try the steaks and red wine. I'm not much of a wine fan, but he convinces me. We sat there about an hour and the bill comes. It's 140 pesos. He pulls out 100 pesos. I try to pay for my half, but he only lets me pay 40 pesos. He tells me that I can get the beers later. We continue on our little adventure and eventually come to a bar with outdoor seating. The waitress brings out a litre of beer and we relax. Soon enough, another litre comes out. We finish the second litre and leave the bar. Then I wake up eight hours later, missing my debit card, iPod, cell phone and travel guide. In summary, I got drugged my first week travelling alone. Oh, you poor thing. And at 18 years old, oh my God, that's terrifying. That absolute dickhead. Oh my God. Oh, I hope you're okay and you got home okay, because that's awful. Oh my God. Our next story comes from Jilt1928. Jilt my girlfriend and I backpacked Croatia last summer. We arrived at Split and eventually found our accommodation. After having a rest from the midday heat, we decided to head out into town and see what was what. The first thing we noticed was armed police on every corner, fully tooled up with machine guns, dogs, barley armour. And we were like, oh, maybe that's how they do it over here, having known that they had some rough football fans. We carry on exploring the old town and eventually decide to head home, only to be told by a huge policeman, policeman, no, that way, which was the only way we knew back to our accommodation. We turned around and tried to get out of the other end of the street and were met with a similar response in less English there. All the while, the streets were filling up with more and more Croatians. So we wound our way through a maze of old town streets around Diocletian's palace. The whole time we could hear extremely loud bangs and explosions and the odd screaming, shouting and chanting. Obviously, this was quite scary as we didn't know where we were and it was our first day there. We ended up coming out on the main strip by the sea where there were literally about 3,000 people on either side of the street behind barriers who were all shouting, as well as there was smoke coming from down the street. We turned back to the old maze of alleys and were met by hundreds of people running past us and screaming, and there was an acrid smell of CS gas. We went back to the front to try and avoid choking out and being separated. When we got back to the front, we found out that it was a gay pride parade of about 30 to 50 people marching, due to a police killing of a homosexual a few weeks earlier. 
Due to this, the whole city had come out to heckle and attack them. Thousands against only a few. It was one of the most eye-opening and terrifying experiences I ever witnessed. Children, women and terrifying men hurling at abuse and rocks at people. Wow, that is really scary, especially on the first day you're there. Like, fair play to those people for going out and making a statement for a hate crime is what it seems like. But, yeah, no, I'd be absolutely terrified if I was caught in the middle of that. Especially in a place I don't know. And with police just turning me away whenever I try to get out of the situation. Yeah, that is terrifying. I hope yous were okay. Our next story comes from an account that has now been deleted. The first time I crossed the border from Laos to Vietnam, I took a bus from Vien Tiena to Hanoi. We left at 6pm one night. All of us were tourists and there were three drivers. For the duration of the journey to the border, they played incredibly loud and annoying Laotian music and a whiny female singing and twanging out-of-tune guitars. Now, I love everything from free jazz to gamelan to Malian kora to Indian sitar, but Southeast Asian pop music is unspeakably awful. We eventually arrived near a border crossing around 1am and stopped, except we didn't know it was a border crossing. We couldn't see any buildings or hear cars. It felt like we were going to be robbed and left in the middle of nowhere. The drivers turned off the lights and went to sleep on the floor of the bus. They left the music on extraordinarily loud. When someone asked them to turn it down, they turned it up and laughed. One of the bus drivers started to touch a girl's leg. Her boyfriend was next to her. The boyfriend was massive, but she was afraid to wake him up in case he started to fight and that all hell broke loose. After several hours of hell with sobbing girls and people desperate to sleep, not to mention confused and little scared about what was going on, we left for the five-minute journey to the border at around 6am. When we got to the border, we had to queue for ages in a dirty room. Sheets of rain fell on what felt like a very high crossing. We were treated like cattle and then had to pay a dollar to get our passports back, despite already having paid $55 for visas before leaving Laos. The border police slept in the filthiest hovels you can imagine. The walls were black with damp. There were pools of dark water in the rooms and filthy sheets in the beds. We arrived late that same day in Hanoi, exhausted, filthy, suspicious of everyone and emotionally drained. The first thing I did when I arrived at my guest house was order a beer. To this day, that ice-cold tiger beer is the best I've ever had. The funny thing is, though, I went back to Southeast Asia the next year and did the exact same bus trip. Being able to tell other backpackers why we were stopping at 1am and not having to listen to music as we actually slept made it tolerable. Though I'll never do it again. God, that sounds absolutely intolerable. I can't imagine for like five hours from 1am to 6am being stuck there, not knowing what was going on and having to listen to really loud music. It actually sounds like hell. Oh, I can imagine how great that beer was afterwards. I'd say it was one, I 100% believe that was the best beer you've ever had after that ordeal. Oh, and that, that's mad that the next year it didn't, it wasn't as stressful. You obviously just got, got unlucky with the drivers, unfortunately. Okay, so our next story comes from Uno Numero. I was traveling with my friend who was also female and my boyfriend in India. We were leaving Jaipur, India and wanted to catch a train to Jaisalmer. We were only able to get reserve tickets and so didn't definitely have seats. We turned up to the train station an hour early for the midnight train, but nobody could tell us if we could get on the train or not. We were told to ask the conductor once the train got into the station. Well, the train pulled in and trains in India are massively long. We ran up and down the platform with our packs on for all of the 20 minutes the train was in the station. Eventually the train started to pull out again and we had obviously missed our chance to talk to the conductor. We decided to just jump on the train and work it out with the conductor on board. 
We did this because several people, including Indians, had given us the advice that foreign tourists are usually treated really well by Indian train guards, and it's fine to get on the train even if you don't have tickets. Obviously, this is a horror story thread, and so you can guess that wasn't the case for us. Please don't get on a train in India if you don't already have a ticket. Well, we eventually located the conductor on board the train, and he was furious with us. He insisted we get off at the very next station. We tried to bribe him, but he turned out to be seriously religious, and it just made matters worse. He threw us off the train at a place called Fulera at two in the morning. I'm guessing you've never heard of it. It's an arsehole of a place. No taxis, no hotels. Outside the train station, about 30 homeless people sat, watching Bolly- Bollywood movies on ancient computer monitors. Inside the station, an old tantra pr- practitioner-looking guy was smoking weed out of an old bell. It was all creepy as it, as creepy as it sounds. Now, usually in this kind of situation, I'd be worried we were about to be mugged, raped and murdered, but I was too focused on the growing nausea that I'd been trying to fight for hours. We were trying to work out what to do at the train station when my boyfriend went off to use the loo. My friend and I stayed with the bags. I was staring into the mi- distance when suddenly I needed to go, worse than I had ever do- done before in my life. I sprinted off to find my boyfriend. He had the loo paper, but I didn't make it. I shit my pants at Bulera train station. I came down with a fever rapidly after that, so we had no choice but to book tickets on the next train back to Jaipur. I had my revenge on the Indian railways though. On the way back to Jaipur, I threw open a sink and it was too chunky to wash down the plug hole, so I had to just leave it. We went right back to the hotel we had just left and I spent the next few days in a kind of gastro-induced blur. Generally, I advocate travelling alone, but during this whole experience, I literally couldn't cope. The others did everything. I've never been so glad to have travel companions. Oh my god, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Oh, you know, I've been to India and we were literally told not to eat certain foods because stuff like that could happen. And one of the guys on my trip actually did get really sick one um, one day when we were there. I felt so sorry for him, but oh my god, yes. Probably the, oh, that sounds one of the worst situations of your life. Oh my god. Luckily, you were with people you're close to because, oh my God, I can't imagine that. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Jesus. Okay, so for our last story, it comes from an account that has since been deleted. Um, So here goes. I was in Jamaica with my girlfriend and was crossing off a bucket list dream of mine by attending Reggie's Sunsplash. We rent a cab for the night and he drives us to a venue out in the countryside, quite far from our hotel. The concert is great and I'm having an awesome time. Some Jamaican guy keeps giving me dirty looks, but I don't think too much about it. We were pretty much only the, the only white people there, so I figured that was the reason. He comes over and offers me a joint. I'm like, okay, maybe he was just checking me out to see if I was cool. He tells me that we should walk off to the side so we don't get in trouble, and starts leading me to the beach. Alarm bells start going off, and I catch the eye of this older expat white lady selling beads. She looks at the guy and then back at me, and so sh- subtly shakes her head at me. We get a little ways into the palms and I tell the guy that this is far enough. He then turns to me and demands $100 for the weed we just smoked. I tell him no way and he says, you don't understand. We're the mafia down here. You see that policeman over there? If you don't give me the money, he's going to find some weed on you and lock you up. And those guys in prison are going to kill you. I'm no pussy and I've taken some martial arts, but let me tell you, I was scared shitless. The odds were so against me. I didn't know where I was, I was completely out of my element and I had heard stories of Jamaican police corruption and Jamaican jails. I gave him what I had on me, walked back to my girlfriend and told her what happened. 
We left immediately and she yelled at me the whole way back to our hotel for being so stupid. In summary, Jamaican guy offers me a smoke. He was not cool. And that brings us to an end of this series of the Boozy Traveller Show. I hope my listeners enjoyed listening to these episodes and got a bit of a laugh out of some of these stories today. Thanks very much for tuning in and bye from the Boozy Traveller.